Welcome to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rumble College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rumble experience. All right, welcome to the Heads Up Podcast. Uh, today I'm thrilled to continue with the Ask Anything series of our students, and I'm really fortunate to have a high school student from Rundle College here with me today. And uh, instead of having three students, we've gone right down to having one student, and we're going to have a bit of an in-depth conversation about the high school experience, about future aspirations. We may even get into um, some of the stresses that are around school, given that it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, and maybe even a little bit about small class size. We'll see where this conversation goes. So before I get into it and speak anymore, I'm going to pass it right over to the students who's joining me today. So um, let the listeners know who you are and, and what grade you're in. Okay. Hi, my name is Molly Ramsey. I'm from Rundle College and I'm in grade 10 at the moment. Cool. Yep. And before we got on the show, we were talking about Molly's past. So Molly, why don't you just tell us where did you start school? Because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, so thank you for having me. I was born in Scotland and I lived there for nine years. So I went to primary school there until what's called primary four in the UK. So grade three here. And then I moved to Canada with my family and I started going to West Springs, which is a local public school to me. And I started there in grade four. Cool. Yeah. And you've been with us since what grade? Grade seven. Right I on. Came to Rundle College. Yeah. Right on. So hopefully, you know, people who are listening uh, might be potential students who are coming in grade seven and they'll get a sense of what that experience is about for transitioning to mm -hmm. a, a different school in grade seven. Because that's, yeah. I guess it's pretty, pretty common to transition, but to transition to a school like Rundle might, might be slightly different too. Yeah. Super. So uh, Molly, let's get right into it. What was the question that you came with and, and you really wanted to discuss today? Yeah. So my initial question was, what does Rundle do as a university preparatory school that preps students for university differently compared to other schools? Right. And I think this is a really good and topical question, particularly as we get into the graduation season. We're seeing a lot of our students go on to post-secondary. In fact, uh, most of our students, well beyond 95%, go on to a post-secondary program of their choice. And I think what's really important in that statement is not necessarily going on to post-secondary, but determining what is the program of choice. And so I'd start there by saying we do an in-depth exploration of what programs might be good for your study. So we know that you know some programs are research programs, some are teaching universities, some are big, some are small, some are close, some are far. And so it's a little bit of an algorithm that's almost binary where you think about, you know, do you want big or do you want small? Do you want local or do you want away? Do you want technical or do you want uh, teaching? Um, and we have post-secondary counselors who meet with all of our students starting as early as grade nine, working all the way through grade 12 to find out the program of choice. Um, I think often uh, we get drawn into these assumptions that you know maybe an Ivy school is the best school and everybody should go to the best school. Um, but we have a fairly firm understanding and belief that um, 
the best school isn't always the best school for you. You know, and so we try to determine what is the best school for you by uh, gauging your interests and passions, and again, uh, assessing where you fall on all of those criteria. Um, so Molly, I'd bounce it back to you just a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your thinking about universities. Like what, what programs are you looking at already, I guess, starting in grade 10? Yeah, so grade 10 for me, I, I still don't know exactly what I want to do yet, but probably something in the sciences. Um, and Rundle offers great sciences, so I think it's a really good fit. But I'm probably leaning towards heading to the West Coast or mm-hmm. back to the UK for a science degree of some sort. Right on. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we came on, we were just chatting about post-secondary a little bit, and, and I thought Molly said something really interesting about um, being okay with not knowing what she wants to do. Um, so, I mean, Molly, could you round that out? Like, you don't know what you want to do in post-secondary, do you? No. Not at all, not really. So, but like going to the uh, going Canada universities because they do their undergrads in four years. It's a much more comfortable area of time, and they're much more easy if you want to switch degrees. Right. Well, if I were to go back to the UK, they do an undergrad in three years rather than four, and it's a very strict and like structured. Once you've like signed off right. to doing that, it's right. Like that's what you're doing. And you know, like we see some programs in the UK where they do offer medical programs right out of high school and some of our kids do take advantage of that because they know they want to be doctors for sure and so they go off and do that but I think there's real power in not determining what you want to do as you go into university because that gives opportunity to change programs and we know that uh, if you go into program or into university with an open mind um, you're probably going to be better off because it's more likely than not that you are going to switch programs once you get there and so oftentimes we come back to um, the liberal arts or the idea of a renaissance learner and we want students who are comfortable across multiple disciplines so that if they do decide to change a major from engineering to accounting to education to nursing uh, they feel really comfortable bridging each of those those programs when they do get to post-secondary yeah and I think that's really important that you're feeling comfortable enough that you can switch and totally. I think it's because if you have your mindset on something and it turns out that that's not for you it's such a nice option being yeah. able to switch so. and it could be uh, just totally crushing to to you know have your dream crush if you're really set on that you're not prepared to do something else and mm-hmm. we want to avoid that for right. our students right um molly because we're here together mm-hmm. i mean let's let's go for it do you have any other questions that, that you're hoping to answer yes so one of my questions is um what does small class sizes 14 class is very small for high schools how does that um help prep students for university. Right, right. And I think this is a really, really interesting question for two reasons. One, I think there's the instructional piece as to like what is the advantage of having a small class size instructionally and learning. And the second is a transition piece. So how does that prepare you in spite of the fact that classes are much larger at a lot of post-secondary institutions? So first is, uh, I think the, the thinking around small class size, be it 14 or 15 or whatever the number is, is that um, I look at it like a sport in Brazil called futsal. So now futsal is a derivative of soccer. And uh, my knowledge of futsal is this, is that it's similar to soccer in the fact that you got the same objective and you kick a ball, except for the ball's a little bit smaller and you play in a little bit more confined space. And what sociologists have found is that by playing, if you play futsal at a young age, you're more likely to be a great soccer player. And the reason for that is you get a lot more touches on the ball uh, by virtue of being in a smaller space and having a lot quicker action. 
I see our classrooms as being futsal. Uh, you have a lot more interaction with the teacher. So we see our students interacting with the teachers, you know, 10, 20, 30 times in a 55 minute course, whereas in a larger classroom you'd have far fewer interactions. And I think that it's those interactions and the critical thought and the conversations that come out of those interactions uh, that really deepen the learning for students. And I think that's the true magic is the opportunity to connect with teachers and connect uh, with students. And so I think when people ask me about small class size, one, I think we use great methodology in our instruction. But two, I think it's by virtue of having a lot of connections with teachers and your peers that allows you to deepen your learning and is the true magic about having small class sizes. I think the second part is uh, about transitions to post-secondary. I think in those small class sizes, you're able to identify who you are as a learner and what kind of tactics or strategies or executive functioning skills you need to use to be successful in any size group. And so we see that our students are not afraid to approach the teacher, introduce themselves to the teacher, talk to the teacher, get to know the teacher well, and then when they go off to post-secondary, they just transition that right on to their professor. And professors are people too. And they want to connect and they want to know who their students are. And we see that our students are deeply engaged at post-secondary with their professors, whether it's in a lecture, in a tutorial, in a lab, or in research. And they're not afraid to interact with adults in their lives. And furthermore, they're not afraid to present in front of other people because they've become really accustomed to that in, in their classrooms. And so I think the magic of the small class size is one, in the learning, but two, um, somewhat paradoxically, it makes the transition to post-secondary easier because they're prepared in understanding who they are as learners. I personally love it. I love yeah. having a small class and being able to connect with the teacher directly. And I feel like that's going to help after high school, knowing that I have to be proactive with the teacher and that I can be proactive with the teacher. Yeah, like I think that's exactly well put, Molly. I think that proactivity or being proactive and an advocate for your own learning is the best thing we can do um, for students in our community. Uh, and I do think they carry for it in post-secondary, and I hope you do as well. I think that's that's huge. Yeah, I think it's, it's great. I love having a small class size. Comparing, like, from what I had before, I think it's really improved my learning. So. Yeah, and I think, like, as a hallmark of our program, so small class size is really important. And I bounce back to you, Molly. It's like, we talk about the Rundle experience. Um, and it's a lot of things to a lot of people. It could be academics, it could be character, it could be co-curricular, but it's, it's different for everybody. So I want to talk about your Rundle experience and what you value most about the Rundle experience, you know, maybe beyond small class sizes. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I came in grade seven and since then I've just loved having the tight-knit community and mm -hmm. how everybody knows everybody and you know when you see people in the halls you know that's your friend or you know you know who they are rather than like I'm happy that when I'm gonna graduate from university I know the people in my year and I know about them and I've met them all rather than like meeting people at the graduation right so and I love how Rundle prioritizes academics and character mm -hmm. and just having and sports and having that balance and everybody here seems like they care about school or they they want to elevate themselves in the future they want to set themselves up with a foundation that is gonna last them and provide them with a good future and I just I really enjoy like I said before definitely probably the tight-knit community and the opportunities I have here that I might not have at a other private school 
And I think you said something really interesting there that reminded me of a podcast I listened to last month. So I listened to a podcast called uh, The Daily, and it's a New York Times podcast, and they're talking about New York schools, top-performing New York schools, and they're interviewing kids in those schools. And they said something, they said, you know, what's the best thing about your school? Why do you do so well at your school? And uh, one of the students said something I thought was profound and actually seemed to echo some of what you just said. They said, uh, we do well at school because everybody around us also wants to do well. Like, essentially what they said is like, doing good at school is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, like it's a bit of a random question, but do you feel like there is that sentiment here at Rundle? Like is doing well appreciated and something that people cheer for amongst each other? Or or how does that work here? I think definitely everybody wants everybody around them to succeed. And they're doing, like everybody cares about what's happening in everyone else's school life. And I think that's really important that, you know, your classmates and your peers and even your teachers are wanting you to succeed. And it is a good thing to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not that like nerd stereotype here. Everybody, you know, is relatively smart and everybody wants like I said before to set themselves up with a good foundation for their future and I think that's such a great thing to be able to just learn yeah and not feel self-conscious about wanting to be smart yeah and, you know it's a good thing yeah yeah I see that you know I walked into the great hall one day when my office was right by the lunchroom and there was like this giant ruckus out there and I walked out to see what was going on and I came across about six kids and I said, you know what, like, what was it cheer for? They're all cheering. And uh, one of them said, well, so-and-so just got an 85 on their biology. And that, like, is a major breakthrough for them. And we hope we're not in trouble for, like, making a bunch of noise. And I was like, of course you're not in trouble. Like, congratulations. It's cool that you guys are cheering for each other to do well. Like, that was a really neat moment for them. And, and for me, I think, to learn that that is cool to do do well at the school. Yeah, and there's that good competitiveness here. It's not like oh, I have to be the top and I have to beat this right. person. It's it's like a nice want, like I don't know how to word it other than wanting everybody to succeed and wanting to be, you know, up there with the successfuls at our school and everybody is successful. And yeah, like you said before, it, I think everyone just supporting each other in this network is a really good learning environment. That's cool. Um, okay, so then right now we're in the middle of mental health awareness uh, week here and Part of my concern is that I think kids do push themselves really hard in this pursuit of excellence and sometimes to their own detriment. And I think part of overcoming these challenges is awareness and talking about that. And so um, because it is a fairly driven environment, I think there's a concern that, you know, that that mental health issues may be a result of pushing too hard. Uh, Molly, my sense is that you know, you work really hard, but you got a pretty balanced life and outlook. Um, I'm just interested in you telling a little bit of your stories. Like, how do you balance off the expectations of a school like Rundle and and life and balance? Like, what are your tips if, if you could give them? Yeah, so it took me a very long time to be able to balance my co-curriculars and family life and school. But I think, I think just looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and as important as high school is I don't want to look back and remember me just being like sad and tired all the time because I've been staying up and studying and getting these good marks personally I'd rather have a lower mark but knowing I'm doing well in sports and hanging out with my friends outside of schools and I think it's just 
like taking a step back and looking at what you want to prioritize. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like I said before, it took me quite a while, but now that I have, it's just, it's really great having a balance of school and then getting my homework done on the weekends and then going out with friends or going to my sport practices and just having time off. So I think it's just looking back and planning and organizing and making sure you're getting everything you want to get done at what ever cost that takes because yeah I don't want to be studying for you know 12 hours a day I want to go home and like have time with my family and I think that's just like taking a step back like I said and looking over the big picture I love that Molly and I hope lots of people are listening well into this podcast to pick that up because there's real wisdom in your words so thank you for sharing those um how do you find like in the school environment like if you were to talk to a teacher about your priority priorities are they responsive? Like, do you feel like people are responsive to that kind of conversation? Yeah, I think definitely. I know loads of my friends have, like, sports. And if you're proactive and tell your teacher, they're going to understand that. And they're yeah. going to understand that school isn't just your whole life. Right. And I think we need to understand that, too, with yeah. teachers. Because I know in elementary, I thought teachers, like, slept at the school. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was what they did. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Our elementary teachers yeah. totally do. They don't yeah. leave, right? No. <laughs> so I think, yeah, just... Teachers here, are especially in the junior high and high school, I don't know about the elementary, but they're just so understanding. And if you're being a proactive student and letting them know what you've got, and I think they understand because, like I said before, they're also people too. And I yeah. think it's, yeah, they understand. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I mean, at the risk of sounding like a cliche, um, I think Bell Let's Talk, like around mental health, really is the center of what we have to do is like continue to communicate amongst each other about what we need to be well, right? Like our values be well. So um, let's continue the conversation. I encourage students in our community and all over the place who are listening to this to, to really talk to their teachers and be positive advocates for what they need uh, in wellness. And you've mentioned it all, Molly, I think the fact of like having family and having sport and having co-curricular and having academics and understand those are all part of a, a big picture um, is really, really important, quite profound. I, I love the way that you've, you've put that together. So thank yeah, you for that. Thank you, yeah. And another thing I forgot to say was, like, the counselors here are amazing. Oh, and, you know, cool. it's mental health. If you're not doing too well and you're telling your friends, it's just such a, like I said before, such a safe network that if you needed to talk to someone, they're always there and understanding. And I think that's, yeah, I think, like, de-stigma, is that even a word? But taking the stigma out of... Uh, talking to somebody and having like a counselor or a coach or going to to talk through issues I think is really important this day and age because we can be quickly overwhelmed by any number of things that are in front of us so I'm really glad that that you put that forward I think that's another part where it's like yeah let's talk I mean there are counselors who can hear us out and help us right Mm -hmm. and I think mental health is such just as important as physical health yeah you know if you're not in a good mental place you're not going to succeed just if if your body wasn't doing That's well right. or if you were sick so i think it's such an important thing and it's i'm so happy in this day and age it's coming a more comfortable thing you know and it's it's just great yeah i'm totally with you molly and i i know we didn't plan to talk about uh, mental health week when we started here but i'm really glad we got there. You provide some really amazing insight in that space, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Molly, unless you have any other questions, I think that's pretty much the end. Yeah. No, no more questions. Yeah. Thanks okay. for coming in and chatting. I hope we get lots of listens, and I hope people really take a lot from, from your words. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs>